We are in Yavamos Memtes Amabez 49b1 in the Archgol Gemara. Uh, the Gemara, for this page and for really for the end of the parak, the end of the chapter, which is on Daf Nun, the next page, uh, we'll be discussing uh, other issues, other issues because it's really a, a side topic. The Mishnah, the way they come onto it is that the Mishnah quoted Rabbi Shimon ben, pa- ben Azai. Rabbi Shimon ben Azai said that he found a Megillus Yuchsin. He found a scroll of genealogy, and written inside of it was that there was a certain case of a woman who committed adultery in Yerushalayim, and the child was a mamzer. And he wanted to prove from there that we see that it was specifically a case of adultery, which is uh, which gets the death penalty. It's a punishment of the death penalty by the court. And so we see from here that the halacha follows... The ruling follows Rabbi Yeshua. Uh, happens to be that we don't follow Rabbi Yeshua. Practically, we follow the position of the middle position that if the punishment is kares, either kares and early death by Hashem, or uh, the death penalty by the court, either case uh, would lead to the child being a mamzer. But Shimon ben, pa- ben Azai, he tried to prove it from this Megillus Yuchsen, from this scroll of uh, genealogical records. And so the Gemara will say, what else did he find in this scroll? Which will lead to a, a side topic. Tani Shimon ben says, I found a scroll of genealogical records in Yerushalayim. What was written inside of it? First of all, number one, Number one is what we had in the Mishnah, which is that um, there was a certain case of somebody who was a mamzer because uh, his mother... He's the child of uh, of a relationship of where the mother committed adultery. Um, and so therefore the child is a mamzer. Shimon uh, Benaz, I wanted to prove from here that we follow the position of Rabbi Yeshua. It's not exactly 100% clear. It's not like it says that we follow the position of Rabbi Yeshua. Clearly we, we do not follow this. And so there are definitely other ways of reading this, uh, this book of records. Um, and uh, certainly Shimon HaTimni, the middle position, would agree that the child would be a mamzer. So it's not 100% clear that this is a proof that we follow uh, the position of Rabbi Yeshua. What else was written inside? Because of uh, also Mishnas Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov Kav Venaki, the teachings of Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. Uh, Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, they say about him, was that he was Kav Venaki, that he didn't talk very often. Uh, he didn't speak that much, but when he did speak... It was nucky, it was pure, it was correct, that we always follow, the halacha always follows him because he was so uh, he was so straight and clear and correct. And so that is another thing that, that was stated. And number three, because about the third thing that it says is Menasha Harag es Yeshaya, that Menasha killed Yeshaya. And we'll give a little bit of a background to this. Who exactly was Menasha and Yeshaya? So Yeshaya was a Navi, he was a prophet. Um, and he told Chizkiah, Menasha's father, he told Chizkiah uh, that Chizkiah uh, didn't want to have any children. Chizkiah was the king. He didn't want to have any children. Chizkiah himself uh, did tshuva. He repented and he was a, he was a good king. And he, in the end, he followed in the ways of Hashem. And Yeshaya told him that you should know that you're going to have a son. Your son will not follow in the ways of Hashem and will be uh, a bad and evil uh, leader for the Jewish people. And so Chizkiah said, if that's the case, so then I'm not going to have any children. Why should I have a child uh, who's, who's going to end up becoming such a terrible leader. So Yeshaya said, no, that's not for you to decide. You're not the one who should decide 
you know, this was part of the plan of Hashem. And it's not for you to decide, so you should have a child. In fact, I will give you my daughter to marry to have this child. And so she, they have a child together. And so this child is Menashe. Menashe ends up becoming uh, the king. And he ends up killing Yeshaya, who is not only his grandfather, his mother's father, who is not only a prophet, but he's also the one who, it's not just from his daughter that he's, that uh, there's the reason for Menashe to be alive, but he also convinced his son-in-law, Chizkiah. He convinced the king Chizkiah to even get married to begin with so that uh, he could he would have a child and have this Menashe. And in the end, Menashe ends up killing Yeshaya. And this is the third, this is the third statement that Shimon, uh, that Shimon ben Azai relates that he saw from this, uh, from this scroll. Now, is there any connection between these three different statements? So perhaps one could explain as follows. I heard the following explanation, which is that it is describing how essential it is, how important it is for us, uh, to, uh, to connect, to connect back uh, to have the uh, the connection back to the source, to getting back back to the source, we've had an earlier gemara is how the shechina, the presence of Hashem, only rests amongst people who have that lineage, they have that uh, record of knowing where they come from, because we're all about going back to the source, going back to the original moment where we could have more clarity and understanding of Hashem, and so. Imams, there is a situation where that sort of breaks off. That breaks off. It breaks off a certain connection um, because the next generation is a result of a sin from the previous generation, a direct result. Uh, but it also discusses, the this uh, record also discusses uh, how if you have a pure, uh, if you have a pure lineage, so then it can lead to greatness. It can lead to the greatness of uh, Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, who was, who was short to the point, but clear, and we follow his ruling, it could lead to that. And unfortunately, it could also lead to another disaster. It's telling you the opposite ends. That if it's working out well, so then it could lead to Rebbelezim and Yaakov, but it could also, unfortunately, it could lead to, there could be a situation where Menashe ends up killing his own his own grandfather. And so it's describing uh, different extremes of, of uh, either a great lineage or the breaking of a lineage. Um, and so that's, that's perhaps one connection between these three seemingly random statements. The Gemara, the rest of the Gemara really continues on to discuss the story of Menashe and Yeshaya. Why did Menashe kill his grandfather? Why did he kill this uh, Yeshaya, the, the great prophet? So Amar Rav, Rav says, Menashe judged Yeshaya and he said that he was a false prophet. He was a Nabi Shekhar, a false prophet, and that's why he was deserving to be killed. A false prophet... Uh, deserves the death penalty. Why? Why? Amar Le Menashe told Yeshaya, Moshe Rabach Amar. What did Moshe? Three things. There's three things that Yeshaya said that went against Moshe. First of all, Moshe said, "Kilo Yerani Adam Moshe said that no. He quoted that Hashem said that no human can see me and live. No, nobody can see Hashem and live. And yet, Va'ad Amret, you Yeshaya, what did you say in your prophecy? Ve'areas Hashem Yoshevakzira You said that I saw Hashem sitting on the throne. How could you say that? Moshe said that a person seeing Hashem would die. That is contradiction number one that makes you into a false prophet. Contradiction number two, Moshe Rabbah Chomer, what does Moshe say? Moshe said that you can find Hashem wherever and whenever you call out to Hashem, Hashem is there. And what did you say? You said, seek Hashem when He can be found. 
That Hashem is not, you cannot always find Hashem. You cannot always call out to Hashem. You cannot always dive into Hashem. That goes against Moshe. Moshe says you can always call out to Hashem. Contradiction number three, Moshe Rabbach Amar es mispar yamecha amale. Moshe himself, Moshe said, es mispar yamecha amale, that Hashem will fill out your days. That Hashem could allow a person to live up to the point in time that they were destined to live from the point they were born. When a person is born, they're given a certain number of years, and Hashem could give you those number of years. And what did you say? You said even more than that. When you were talking to my father, Chizkiah, says Menashe, you said that Hashem will add 15 years. But Moshe says Hashem can't add more years than, than what they were originally destined for. Hashem could just fill it up. And you're saying that Hashem could add even more years. So we have these three contradictions, the three statements that Yeshaya said that goes against what Moshe said. You must be a false prophet and you are deserving of death. So what did Yeshaya say? Amar Yeshaya. I know, Yeshaya said to himself, I know that Menashe, he won't accept whatever justification I give, he's not going to accept it. And if I do tell to him, if he ends up killing me, Yeshaya amazes it. He'll end up killing me intentionally, intentional murder. Right now, it's unintentional. He thinks that I'm really deserving of the death penalty because I'm a false prophet. And if I were to tell him the real reasons, so now he can no longer use the reason that I'm a false prophet and he'll kill me anyways, intentionally. Better that I don't tell him. Not only is it better that I don't tell him, you know, I have to run away. I have to make sure that he doesn't he, he doesn't kill me. Uh, because what I say is not going to help. So therefore, Amar, Shem Ibala Ba'arzin. So what did he do? He uttered the name of Hashem, and he was swallowed up by a cedar tree. Yishai was hiding inside a cedar tree. Sarua. What did they do? Menashe's men, the Yushami, the Talmud Yushami expands upon this, and it says that how do they find the cedar tree where Yeshaya was uh, was sort of swallowed up in, uh, they found him because his tzitzis were dangling outside the tree. And so they found him and so they went, his men went to the cedar tree and they split it with an axe. When the axe reached Yeshaya's mouth, that's when he died. That's when Menashe killed Yeshaya. Why by his mouth? Why specifically by the mouth of Yeshaya, the great prophet? Mishim Omar because Yeshaya himself said, am Yeshaya, in one of the verses, when he's discussing, he's talking about, uh, he's really referring to himself. And he says, I'm on such a low level. And I'm placed amongst others who dwell among me, a people with impure lips. Uh, he also says about himself, though. He says that I also am impure. I also have impure lips. But I'm with people who also have impure lips. The Jewish people have impure lips. And so as a result of that, because... He spoke negatively about the Jewish people, even though he was also talking negatively about himself. That's why, not that he was deserving of death as a result of this, but when Menashe went to kill him, once he reached his mouth, that is at the point in time in which he died. And so because of, of this sin, he was really he was saying that I'm not, I'm not fit to have such a vision because I myself am low and I'm amongst the people who are low. But as a result of this, the rest of his body was able to be on this high spiritual level where Menashe wouldn't be able to touch him. But it was specifically the lips, because he was not able to uh, to, pu- to purify his lips uh, as a result of the fact that he spoke negatively about about uh, the Jewish people. So just to point out before we continue, uh, if a person uh, speaks negatively about somebody else, even though they're including themselves in the negativity, they're saying, I'm just like that, that itself is not allowed. One has to ask for forgiveness for that. And we see that from Yeshaya, because he put himself down together with the rest of the Jewish people. And we have to be so careful when we talk about the Jewish people as a whole. 
that we cannot talk negatively as, about the Jewish people as a whole. The Chavetz Chaim discusses this about how we have to really praise the Jewish people. How we uh, we have to show how great it is and what they're accomplishing is so great and not that we should be uh, putting them down. Um, and so these are some of the lessons of this story between Yeshaya and, and Menashe. The Gemara now continues. In the end of the day, how do you explain Yeshaya? We had these three different times in which Yeshaya said something differently than Moshe. Yeshaya himself said that he could answer all three, but he, he felt that it wouldn't uh, accomplish anything with Menashe. But for us, what's the answer? What's the answer? So the Gemara goes through all three. First, Yeshaya said that I saw Hashem. Menashe said, uh, Moshe, sorry. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe said that nobody could see Hashem and live, and yet Yeshaya said he could see Hashem. So how do you explain that? Kedetanya. The, the, this is one of the Yud Gimel Ikrim, one of the 13 foundational beliefs that we have, is, which is that Moshe's Nevuah, Moshe's prophecy, was fundamentally different than everybody else's, any other prophet that came before or after him. That Moshe was able to see through a clear glass. He was able to understand the vision through a clear glass. All the other prophets, they didn't have a clear glass. It was blurry. It wasn't clear. Some say that it was like a mirror where it's really bouncing back onto them so that really it's it's through their own lens that they're able to understand. It's through their own, their own perspective that they're able to understand. But Moshe perfected himself so much that he was able to understand based from God's perspective and that it was fundamentally different. So when Moshe says that nobody could see Hashem and live, they can't see his face and live, that's from Moshe's perspective because he has such a clear vision. Anybody else, they could think that they're seeing Hashem's face, but that's only through the through the blurry vision. And that's how you resolve that contradiction. And it's really, this is so fundamental to our belief about how Moshe, when he, specifically Moshe is the prophet, when he gave the Torah to the Jewish people, it was with such clarity and understanding of what Hashem wanted. And it was really pal pal, mouth to mouth, that Hashem spoke to Moshe. Okay, what did we do with the next contradiction? Moshe says that whenever you call it to Hashem, Hashem will answer. You could always, Hashem is always near. And Yeshaya said, no, Hashem that I seek Hashem when he can be found. He cannot always be found. So how do you explain that? So the Gemara explains, It depends. Are you praying as an individual? Are you praying as part of the tzibur, part of a minion, part of the community? If you're paying, praying by yourself, so then you cannot always find Hashem. We'll see when you could find Hashem, but you cannot always find Hashem. But when you're praying with the minion, with, with the tzibur, with the community, so then Hashem is always uh, going to listen, Hashem is always near. So v'yachad imas. At the end of the day, for for a individual who's praying, when is Hashem found? Yeshaya said that he's not always found, but when is Hashem found? So Amar of Nachman, Amar Rabba Baravua, Rabba Baravua says, Elo asar yom shabin Rosh Hashanah liyom Kippur. These are the ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That during the days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and between those days, the seven days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, those are days where there's a closer connection to Hashem, where Hashem, even if you're praying as an individual alone, Hashem will be very close uh, to that person and will listen to that person. So those 10 days, a person could could uh, pray alone and be confident and know that Hashem is very much, very much listening and is, and is nearby. What's, what's interesting, and we don't always focus on this, is that that, that situation of the 10 days of between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which is such, on such a higher level, that really exists every day of the year if you're praying with a minion, if you're praying uh, as part of a community with uh, with a minion. So then you have that you have that connection to Hashem every day of the year. It's not just during it's not just during the ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur during uh, 
the high holidays. Okay, what about contradiction number three? Moshe said that Hashem, at the very beginning of when a person is born, they're destined to live a certain number of years. And Hashem could fill that up. Yeshaya said, no, he could even add on. Yeshaya said he could add on 15 years to Chizkiah. So how do you explain this contradiction? This is really subject to a dispute amongst the Tanaim, amongst the rabbis from the times of the Mishnah of the Tanaim, because it says in a brisa, Es misparya mecha amale. What does it mean, es misparya mecha amale, that Hashem will fill your days? Rabbi Kiva is of the opinion, elushnei doros. These days are the years that a person is given by Hashem when they're born. Zacha, if they merit it, so mashlimen lo, so then they complete their years. Hashem will complete their years. Lo zacha, if they do not merit it, pulsen lo. You could go down. So divrei Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva essentially says that Hashem gives you a certain number of days. You could either fill those days, or if you're not, if you're not, don't merit it. So then you'll lose it. You can never go beyond that. You can never increase uh, the amount of time that was allotted to you. The chacham argue. Chacham, the chacham say no. Zacham osifin lo, lo zacha pulsen lo. They in fact explain the verse. Explains Rashi. And when it says that, it's really not a contradiction. The Chacham says it's really not a contradiction. When Moshe said that he'll fill your days, what it really means is that he'll add to it. That really both Yeshai and Moshe are saying the same thing, that Hashem could add. If you merit it, so Hashem will increase the years for you. If you don't merit it, so then he'll decrease. It could either go up or it could go down. So Amr Lola Rabbi Kiva, they say to Rabbi Kiva, Hari Omer, Vosavti Al Yamecha, Chamesh they say to Rabbi Kiva, I don't understand. You explained according to Moshe, but Yeshaya said that Hashem will increase, could increase a person's life, as he said to Chizkiah, that Hashem will increase your life uh, for 15 years. You'll have an additional 15 years. So you, Rabbi Kiva, who says that, no, you could only go down. You could, but if you merit it, so then Hashem will complete the, your years. But you can only, if you don't, do not merit it, you'll go down. What do you do with the statement of Yeshaya? So Amar Lahem, Rabbi Kiva replies back, no, Mishelo What happened to Chizkiah was that he lost a certain number of years. And then he got it back. So he lost those 15 years, or he lost a certain number of years, and then he then he got it back. So that's what it means that when Yeshaya said he added, it doesn't mean that he added beyond what he was allotted to from his birth. It means that he lost, he, he didn't have the merit originally, and he lost a certain number of years, and then he got it back. And that's the dispute between Rabbi Kiva and the Chacham. Essentially, uh, Rabbi Kiva says that a person is given a certain number of years from when they're born, and if they do not merit it, so then they'll lose, uh, they'll, they'll lose some of those years. Chacham say no, that a person has the ability to increase the number if they merit it, and they'll lose uh, some years if they do not uh, merit it. Rabbi Kiva says, I could even prove this to you, Teda. I could prove to you that the years of Chizkiah, the 15 years of Chizkiah, uh, that Yeshaya told Chizkiah that he'll have, that it must have been that these are not above and beyond what was allotted to him. How do I know that? Because there was a certain prophet um, who said, before Chizkiah was even born. Hinei ben nolad lebeis David Yoshiyahu Shemo. That you will, there will be a son born to the house of David and Yoshiyahu is his name. Yoshiyahu was from Menashe. Ba'adam lo nolad Menashe. Yoshiyahu's grandfather uh, was not even born at that time. His grandfather was Menashe. And uh, he this this prophecy was told even before Chizkiah was born. Chizkiah had Menashe as a child during those 15 years. So it must be that those 15 years are not extra. If they were extra, Menashe would never have been born, and then this prophecy would never have been fulfilled. It must be that this prophecy, which took place before, before Chizkiah was even born, and he was tell, this prophecy said that Yoshiyahu will be born. There will be a king named Yoshiyahu, 
and Yoshio can only exist because of Menashe, and Menashe was only born during Chizkiyahu's 15 years, it must be those 15 years were already set aside. Um, and these are not additional years, but these are really part of what was already allotted to Chizkiyahu. So what do the Rabbanan do with this? Rabbanan, who say that you could add years, uh, how do they explain how do they explain this? Miksev Michiskiel Bez Daviksev Now this prophecy, uh, the Rabbanan will explain that this prophecy wasn't that Chizkiel will have Yoshiahu, this uh, this King Yoshiahu, but it was just saying that there will be a King Yoshiahu, whether it's from Chizkiel or whether it's from somebody else. It could have also been from somebody else, but the fifteen years were added on afterwards according to the Chachamim. So this is the dispute between Rabbi Kiva and the Chachamim. Could you increase the number of years that have been allotted to you or not? Just one last line of the Gemara, and this really concludes the entire chapter, the entire parak, as we're in the middle of Nunamal, so we're completing the parak after this one line. We had the second half of the Mishnah discuss the fact that different scenarios, but ultimately the main point was that a person is not allowed to marry their sister-in-law, their wife's sister at all, under any circumstances, even after they get divorced, even after their wife marries somebody else, all these different circumstances, unless his wife passes away. Once his wife passes away, he's allowed to marry his wife's sister. The Gemara just says, "I'm Rav Yosef Kanchan, Rabbi Mishnah Shainetzricha." Rabbi learned here that this was not necessary. The Mishnah did not have to teach us this ruling. We already knew about this ruling. We already knew about this ruling. It was unnecessary for the Mishnah to really teach us to this. It also describes many cases. All of that is unnecessary. Okay, that concludes this very interesting chapter that we've been discussing uh, for some time. So, Hajan Alacha Cholets. We finished uh, this parak, so we will return to you. We we end off with uh, with a hope and a prayer that we shall return to you to back to this parak we will continue next week uh, with uh, the beginning of the fifth parak the fifth chapter